um, today's scripture reading comes from Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out our whole land. But the woman had taken two men and hidden them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of the flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and say to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shihon and Og, the two kings of Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move right in to our second scripture reading for the day. So would you go ahead and turn, if you have your Bibles, to Romans chapter 15 and 16, or you're welcome to look in your bulletin where it's printed. Romans, the end of Romans 15 and the beginning of Romans 16. Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me, that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. And I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in, that's a place I can't pronounce in Corinth. And I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So, um, what are we doing reading Romans in the middle of a series on Jonah? Well, we're going to hit the pause button on the Jonah series, and we're going to look at, for three weeks, uh, the end of Romans 15 and Romans chapter 16. Now, uh, why the end of Romans? Many of you probably have read the book of Romans and you've gotten to chapter 16 and just sort of thought, okay, here's a whole long list of names, people I don't know. Let's just skip over it and move on, right? Um, Well, two things. One, it is not just sort of a throwaway at the end of Romans. And and two, I really like it, so deal with it. Um, (laughs) So I'm going to be preaching on Romans 15 and 16 the next this week and the next two weeks. And the reason I want to is because... I personally have learned a lot from Romans chapter 16. And I think that we can, as a church, understand so much more of what it means to go out into the world from this chapter as well. And that is our theme of the year, isn't it? I mean, we haven't had the all-church retreat yet, but this is going to be the theme of our online retreat, and this is what we've been doing. Two years ago, it was up, talking about our worship to God. Last year, it was in, talking about all the one another's in the Bible. And then this year, our focus is out to our neighborhoods and across the world. And Romans 16 gives us a great image of that. And so, though, we will start with the end of 15 to give us what he's talking about. In verses 30 through 33, Paul is urging the believers to pray, to support, and to be unified. He first asks something really simple to the church in Rome. He says, hey, um, pray for me. Right? What are are the reasons? Well, we read that he, he wants to be kept safe from those who would seek to do him harm. How did he know that people wanted to do him harm in Jerusalem? Well, let's remember that he used to be one of those people who wanted to do Christians harm. The Apostle Paul, when he was called Saul, spent a lot of time pursuing, tricking, and trying to either imprison or even kill Christians. And so he knew, he was very aware of the troubles that that he might face, and so he says, listen, I'm scared. (laughs) Pray for me. We think, yeah, of course he did that. Uh, We're going to get to this in a minute, but how often are we bold enough to say that we're scared to other people. You know, and this is actually what we talked about all last year. Remember how we spent weeks going through all these one another passages in the Bible in the morning and evening service? To love one another, to be patient with one another, to build one another up. All of these things we're supposed to do to and for one another. And Paul is saying this not just because he's scared, but because he also wants to endure this trip to Jerusalem so that he can one day come and visit the church in Rome, right? He's saying, listen, I I, want to come worship. I want to come be with you. I want to come fellowship together. And so not only do we see Paul's desire for others to pray with him, for others to know about what's happening in his life, Paul's vulnerability, but we also see his desire to fellowship with other believers more regularly. (laughs) And so before we move on, I want to camp out here for a second and talk about this. Church, how often are we actually willing to share our fears and the desires of our heart with one another? (laughs) We we always talk about praying for one another. But, But if we want to pray with one another, we actually have to be honest about our struggles. When someone asks you how you're doing, the answer can't just be fine. 
We need to be honest and speak up about our struggles and our prayers. You see, it's this honesty that we see from the Apostle Paul that helps us understand why he wanted to be with people so much. He's been writing them, having them pray for him, asking for prayer requests. And so when he finally, hopefully, gets to be with the people in Rome, there will be a joyful celebration that God answered my prayers. He kept me safe in Jerusalem. (laughs) And now I'm able to come and be with you. IPC, this is not a condemnation. This is an encouragement (laughs) through real life experience. We don't even share our prayer needs with one another in this room. How in the world are we supposed to connect with the worldwide church when we're too afraid to share our prayer requests with people sitting next to us? Let me just say this out loud, even though we know it. It's good to hear it out loud. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to hurt. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, oh, I know, I know I shouldn't be sad. Why shouldn't you be sad? You feel sad. Right? We talked about this in, in, in our COVID newsletters in the, in the spring. If something is hard for you, that's okay. Your hard is hard. You don't have to compare. You don't have to think, well, I shouldn't feel this way. But you do. And that's okay. And equally, we shouldn't hold back from sharing with one another because we think, oh, I don't need to bother other people. <laughs> or maybe from a prideful standpoint, well, it's really none of their business. Friends, we need to be lifting each other up in prayer. We need to be sharing our burdens. But we just don't. We sometimes feel like we're too busy. We don't have time. We barely have time for ourselves. How in the world could I bear the burden of others? There's lots of antidotes to this, by the way. (laughs) One is just to do it. (laughs) But the other is really, and I think this is something we all learned in recent months, that we need to slow down. How many of us realized in COVID times when we're working from home or spending more time at home that we have just been going way too fast and way too long and it is just exhausting? We need to slow down, look up, look at the people around us. We need to slow down and look at our neighborhoods and see what's happening. You know, right now it's the month of October. It's, it's, it's the month of where we pray for the Sean people. You notice how each week and, and sometimes in those daily emails you get actual names of people? You get actual names of people and you're praying for someone by name. How often are you asking people to pray for you by name? We're not any more spiritually higher than anyone else, any more spiritually higher than the Sean people. Well, yeah, you can send us your prayer requests. Why don't we send them our prayer requests? It's exactly what Paul's doing. Paul was this great apostle traveling around the New Testament world and he's going to the church in Rome and says, hey, Yeah, pray for me. How often do we do this? Church, again, we have Bible studies. We have family. We have friends. We have so many opportunities to just share and be honest with one another. And yet we bite our tongue because we're afraid or because we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to look weak. We don't want to bother one another. Church, let me encourage you in the title of our sermon today, which is just, we are not alone. You are not alone. You are not going through this alone. It's what I always say at a baptism or a dedication, that you are now, we are in this together. That's the point of these things. 
And it's for this reason I love Romans 16 so much because with this in mind that we are not alone, we look at Romans 16 and we see a list of names. People Paul knew and was in ministry with and appreciated. And we start with Phoebe. Who is Phoebe? Well, it says here that uh, Paul says in verse six, or chapter 16, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Corinth, and I ask you to receive her in the name of the Lord in a way worthy of his people and give her any help she may need. And so Paul is basically sending this letter with a woman named Phoebe and says to the church in Rome, hey, this woman is, is a sister in ministry and you need to care for her and help her. She was here in, in our translation, it's translated deacon. Sometimes this word is translated servant. Sometimes this word is translated minister. But depending on how you translate it, it's kind of a big deal, right? And many of you might be familiar with this passage for a certain theological issue, right? This is one of the big passages in the New Testament about what women can and can't do in the church. It seems a very sort of obscure passage, but actually this one verse, along with two others in in 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians, have divided churches for a very long time. Um, There's a lot of interpretations about this, and I try really hard sometimes not to preach my opinion, but you're going to hear a little bit of it this morning. You know, interestingly here, Paul describes Phoebe's work, just as a little overview, Uh, the same way he describes other people's work in the New Testament. Paul describes Phoebe's work as the same thing that he and Apollos do in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He uses the same word to describe his ministry and Apollos' ministry as teachers of the word. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he again uses the same word, which is sometimes translated as deacon, minister, or servant, to describe his own ministry again to the Corinthian church. And then again, in Romans chapter 15, verse 8, the chapter just before this, he uses the exact same word to describe Jesus and Jesus' ministry. It says that Jesus was a servant to the Jews in Romans 15, 8. The list goes on and on with this word in the Greek. Deacon, servant, minister. And I'm going to be honest with you, some people have used this to divide the church. Some people have used this to diminish this person, Phoebe. Oh, well, she was just a deacon. Okay, first of all, first of all, let me just say this. For those of you who are deacons in this room, there are some of you, there's no such thing as just a deacon, okay? Um, just as a heads up on that, as an officer of our church, the deacons are wonderful people and work really, really hard. So there's no such thing as just a deacon. And then secondly, here, Paul is using the same word to describe himself, Apollos, who was a teacher, even Jesus. So regardless of the women in ministry issue, Phoebe was kind of a big deal, okay? And, and, and by the way, this is a passion of mine, and forgive me for just being personal here. Sometimes you'll hear the word deaconess, like a female spin on the word deacon. Uh, that's not here. Uh, that was made up in the King James translation of the Bible because she was a female, but in Greek there is no feminine part of this word. It's just deacon. There is no such thing as deaconess. In the Bible, that word is never used, and in fact, it's a sexist term that was used to subjugate women in the church. Um, Just a heads up, deaconess does not exist in Scripture. But 
This word can be translated in a myriad of ways. We translate it deacon, we translate it servant, we translate it minister. The amazing thing here is that Paul is here talking about a woman in the first century and saying, she's on my team. In a time when women were not given the same rights as men, in the time when they were seen as second-class citizens, Paul is saying to the church in Rome, this woman is on my team. Support her, love her, care for her, and give her whatever she needs. And what's amazing about this is Paul not only lists her as a servant, as a minister, as a deacon, Paul says that she's also a patron. So this woman, who is not married, by the way, because her husband's name is not mentioned, she was generous, she was wealthy, she was supportive of the church. I mean, the tradition at the time, and you'll see this throughout Scripture, when a couple is married, it mentions man and woman together. Here, it's just Phoebe telling us one of two things. And odds are, it's the fact that she was single. She was not married. And many scholars even believe that in the first century, sometimes women would not be married, because as soon as they became married, they would lose a lot of their rights. Their husbands would take over, and they would lose their businesses. And the husband, and so many women in the first century just never got married. And odds are, this Phoebe was a wealthy businesswoman who became a Christian, supported the church, the apostles, and became involved in ministry herself. This Phoebe's pretty cool, right? And, and, and what's amazing is it's not only just in her hometown where people respect her. God is sending her through the Apostle Paul to Rome to deliver this letter. Paul is saying, I trust her so much. I trust her with all of these words. Now, and if you've read the book of Romans, you know this is not a small letter. This is not like Jude or Philemon. This is a big letter. Much of our theology comes from the letter to the Romans. This Phoebe's pretty cool. And by the way, church, as we saw in our Old Testament reading, this is nothing new. God using women in a time when women were not held in such high esteem. Look at our Old Testament passage. God uses a Canaanite woman, a prostitute, it says, a woman of ill repute. God uses a Canaanite woman to help deliver Jericho into the hands of the Israelites. A woman that all of uh, the men in Israel would have thought of as not only a pagan, but as unclean, ceremonially unclean. And God says, no, she's going to be the device I use to help deliver Jericho into your hands. Here we see a Greek Macedonian woman from Corinth making an impact in the New Testament world on behalf of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And as I mentioned, if you were not aware of how things actually went in the first century, this is pretty revolutionary. Now, when we look at this, there's lots of things we could talk about. But one of the things I just want to talk about really quickly is this issue of equality. Church, we need more equality in our world. We need to see all people as equal. And this is gender, this is ethnicity, this is nationality. I had someone once say to me, what's the difference between ethnicity and nationality? I said, you ever met a Kurdish person? (laughs) They don't have a nation. And you say, oh, you're from Syria. They say, no, I'm Kurdish. Oh, you're from Iran. No, I'm Kurdish. We need equality across all of these lines we have drawn. In all of these things. 
we need to think about how did the Apostle Paul actually see this woman, Phoebe? How he tried to lift her up, how he tried to equip her to do everything she could do. And men, I'm going to challenge you. Some of you in this room may be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not sexist. Pastor Sam, come on, don't be so sensitive. Everything's the same nowadays, it's fine. Hey, sisters in Christ, is it the same? Tell us if it's not. Because I want to challenge men in this room. How often have you asked women about their experience? What's it like to be a woman in a professional sphere in the world today? You know, we think of Switzerland as this wonderfully progressive place. Do you know that still, as of a few years ago, there was still a 19.6% pay gap between men and women? Same job, same work. 20% less. Do you know a few years ago the UN did a study on sexual assault and violence? And then the study showed, and we think of Switzerland as safe, right? This place is great. We're equal. Everything's going great. Statistics show that one in four women will experience sexual assault or sexual violence in their lifetime in Switzerland. (laughs) We got to lead the way in this church, we got to do better. We have to lead the way in equality, in all forms of equality. And when I read Romans 15 and 16, I see the Apostle Paul being vulnerable, and I see him lifting up this woman to say, listen to her, respect her, care for her, make sure she's okay. There are people in this world who may, we, we may think are living a parallel life to us, but their experience is very, very different. And this here is one example. Church, are we lifting up people who are different than us? Are we lifting up brothers and sisters like Phoebe who may be different and who may have more of an uphill battle than us? And now back to Phoebe specifically. Some of you will argue with me about women's leadership in church, and that's fine. We can talk another time about the First Timothy passage and the First Corinthians passage and, and, and all of the things the Apostle Paul writes about, and we can work it out. That's fine. But let me just say this to be very clear this morning. It is very, very clear to me that Paul trusted Phoebe immensely, that he trusted her to serve, he trusted her to represent his very words and his leadership in the church. And he calls her sister. As often as you hear Andy and I pray and speak, sisters and brothers in Christ, church, let us remember that we are a family. We are in this together. Think about your family. You got to work this stuff out. Sometimes it's hard work and we can't run from it. Right? I mean, think about your own family. We all have endless stories of when we've had to sit down and work it out. And that's okay. We are to receive our sisters and brothers. We are to receive our family in the Lord with honor, love, and with charity when we disagree. The Apostle Paul, as we will see in the next couple of weeks, mentions a shocking amount of women in Romans 16. And in fact, Romans 16 has more mentions of female names than any other literature in the first century ever found. (laughs) The Bible is a powerful, powerful book that talks about lifting each other up and being together in Christ. 
We have the opportunity to value people even when society does not. We have the, va- the opportunity to be unified when society is becoming increasingly divided. And we don't have to argue about one little thing about church leadership and should women be pastors. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is going through this together, having disagreements with charity, having disagreements with unity in mind, and not trying to convince the other person that we're right and they're wrong. IPC, we are a family, and we are in this together, and none of us, not a single one of us, is greater than the other, or less than the other. But getting back to the beginning, we talked about... we. We think we can do this. We don't even share our prayer requests. (laughs) How are we supposed to be unified when we're too prideful to say, I'm scared? How are we supposed to be unified and grow together with these huge issues happening around the world right now when we are not humble enough to go to someone and say, I need help? We need to bring our hurts and our fears and our burdens to one another as Paul did. Because we're not alone. We need to partner in ministry with one another because we are not alone and because we are a family. And if you want to disagree with me on what the word deacon here means, that's fine. We can work it out. We can pray. We can talk. Let me know. Because this is what Paul is doing. Paul, throughout the whole New Testament, is urging the church to work it out. There were probably people in Rome who were like, I don't respect women. I don't understand. Women should stay in the home. Women should be moms. Women shouldn't have any part in this stuff. And then here comes Phoebe, this deacon from Corinth, and Paul says, hey, take care of her. She's a leader in our church. And some Roman leaders are like, what do you mean she's a leader? We don't have women leaders. Work it out. We're on the same team. Church, how can we expand our own narrow understandings of what family is? I don't think it's complicated, but it is quite difficult sometimes. It's difficult to be vulnerable, it's difficult to be honest, and it's difficult to say we need help. But we need to try. And we need to try soon. Because if we look at this world, it is getting real divided. Real fast. And it's getting real scary. I want to try an exercise, and this requires even just a tiny bit of vulnerability. So I'm going to ask all of you to close your eyes. Every single one of you. And I want to ask each and every one of you, if you, right now, in your time of confessional prayer before, keeping your eyes closed, have something in your life that fears overwhelming or sometimes out of control, while keeping your eyes closed, just raise your hand. Now, keeping your hand raised, Same question. How many of you have someone in your household, someone in your family, who might have something out of control, overwhelming, that they need prayer for? Raise your hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. You can open your eyes. About 75% of you raised your hands. Now, 75% of us. Unscientific straw poll just taken. Just said we need help. Ask someone. 
offer to pray with someone. Ask someone their perspective. If you don't understand what the perspective of someone else is, just ask them. We're in this together. We are not alone. And I encourage you, (laughs) find a way. We can start by praying. Look at the Apostle Paul, leader of the New Testament world, and he's like, hey, pray for me. I'm scared. (laughs) Hey, I got a job interview. I'm a little scared. Pray for me. Hey, I'm sad. I really miss my family, and this COVID thing is horrible. Pray for me. Just ask. And then, once we start praying for each other, once we realize that we are not alone, once we realize we're in this together, then we go out and we do ministry together because we've been vulnerable, we've been honest, and we realize that we all need help at times, and we go out into this world with people with different perspectives, people with different beliefs, people with different backgrounds from different countries, from different nationalities, from different ethnicities, from different genders, and we go and do the work of Jesus Christ together because we're all on the same page. How much fun would that be? So church, may you and I go and do some of this work. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, help us. Help us first to be vulnerable. Help us first to be honest. And then let us be honest with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then, Father, let us work out our differences with charity and with grace that we might go and live out your gospel in this world. That we would go and send people and send letters and pray for one another and care for one another, however we might be able. That we would not cling to this good news for ourselves, but that we would share it with every soul we encounter. Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. We cling to this promise and know that you desire unity and not division. Show us the way, Father. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.